0: happen in week 11 welcome into fantasy football today at DFS Frank Sample joined as always by Mike McClure and Sian Ajad on Tuesday November 23rd happy Thanksgiving week to everybody obviously the best holiday out there food drinks football what more can you possibly ask for today on the podcast we're going to recap week 11 take a look at our cash and GPP lineups who won our FFT DFS contest and what did that lineup look like spoiler alert Jonathan Taylor was in it. Uh, early week 12 pricing for the 10-game main slate, and we are not going to preview Thursday Night Football Showdown game today, but a heads up that uh, we will have an extra podcast this week that's gonna drop tomorrow morning in your podcast feed on YouTube as well, where we're pre-gaming, uh, previewing, not pre-gaming, pre-game, we'll save the pregame game for, for Thursday. We're previewing the three-game Thanksgiving slate that's gonna be a separate podcast, probably you know, 20, 25 minutes, something like that, so uh, keep an eye out for that as Well, let's just start with the obvious here. Mike, we'll go to you. The Cowboys and Chiefs, they combined for 28 points in a game that had a 56-point total. Dak and Patrick Mahomes, zero touchdowns, three interceptions. How? Why? My wallet is empty. What's going on, Mike?
1: Yeah, that game was not uh, not fun. It looked great early on the Kansas City side. I will say Mahomes kind of ran bad as far as how the touchdowns were scored. A uh, Travis Kelsey rushing touchdown even from outside the four-yard line. I believe it was, what, the five, six, or seven-yard line where they were at. Brutal. Um, yeah, rough spot on that one. And just, you know, ran bad not getting either of the touchdowns. And then, I mean, like I said, if I told you, I actually tweeted it or tweeted it, dropped it in the group chat like, Obviously, CeeDee Lamb was hurt, but up until that point, we had no touchdown for Dak, none for Mahomes, none for CeeDee Lamb, none for Tyreek Hill. Like, just absolutely crazy game and crazy the way the outcome went. But, uh, yeah, not a lot to say about it other than it absolutely sucked and just unfortunate that the Cowboys really couldn't do much because I think it would have helped Mahomes a lot if they had put some scoreboard pressure on them at any point in that game. So, yeah, just not, uh, not ideal.
0: Yeah, and we were talking beforehand, too, and I think this is very obviously the separation between DFS, fantasy, and real-life NFL because I'm talking to Mike, and I'm like, dude, the Chiefs stink. What's going on with them? And he's like, no, they're good. They're actually good. You're like, They're in a good spot right now. I'm betting on them to a bunch of futures and number one in power rankings. The Chiefs are good. Their defense is playing well. They they haven't been very good for, for DFS, um, at least not last week. There's been a couple other down weeks, obviously. There was that monster game from Mahomes, but outside of that, uh, it's it's... Yeah, you know, it's, it's probably, it's. I, I would say it's been a letdown. Um, I think there were legitimate excuses in this game for the Cowboys side. No Amari Cooper. Obviously, CeeDee Lamb gets hurt. Uh, Dak, I don't think he was great. He missed Gallup on a potential huge gain on their first play of the game. Uh, and on top of that, look, both defenses are playing pretty well here for for the Cowboys and for the Chiefs. The Chiefs have held teams to 17 points or less in four straight games. Sian Ajad is here as well. Let's throw... Jonathan Taylor, your way, See it because uh, Jonathan Taylor, are you kidding me? Like, the way that he's playing right now, five touchdowns, 56.4 DK points. Sia, I know that you had JT as one of your plays last week, your contrarian play, uh, but you, you probably should have listened to your own advice.
2: Yeah, I had him, but I didn't have a lot of them, and I'm pretty upset about it, because it did make a lot of sense. And, and by the way, where I had him classically, it, I, sh- I should say, most of my builds that had Jonathan Taylor, and there was really only a few, had the, uh, the Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs bring back. So it just wasn't, it just obviously Jonathan Taylor got there and then some to make up the difference, but it just wasn't the most ideal situation. In retrospect, maybe I should have just grabbed a piece of that game and then just taken Cam, even in GPP or a different quarterback. So that that's sort of where I went wrong, other than just not having more Jonathan Taylor. It's one of those things, we can talk about it on the show, but when you're actually putting your lineups in, do you have the conviction to actually do it. I did, but really not enough. And, and that's kind of my bad, right? Because if you're trying to take down a GPP, you really have to stand behind your conviction on your GPP slash contrarian plays. Because if you're just going to follow the crowd, you're probably not going to win a big tournament or even a single entry tournament that happens to be big. So yeah, I'm, I'm really as... As each touchdown was getting collected. Now, mind you, I have Jonathan Taylor in my year-long leagues. Almost, I have three big leagues. He's in two of them, so I was crushing it. But it was completely bittersweet because I really should have been crushing it on both ends of the spectrum.
0: Yeah, I have him in. I think it's two out of eight leagues that I have, and one of them is the Scott Fishbowl, which has like almost a thousand people. I'm currently third in the leaderboard there because mostly because of Jonathan Taylor and That's Dal- awesome. Dalvin Cook definitely helps there too. Uh, but Yeah. Look, Jonathan Taylor now priced up to 9,100 on DraftKings. We'll talk about that salary a little bit later on. He's the highest priced running back on the slate in week 12 and rightfully so. Let's start with our cash game lineup review and the cash line dives all the way down to 114. That's what you needed to cash this past week. And uh, kudos to the 20 to 25 percent of you that played uh, Tua or Cam in your cash game lineups. Chalk running backs were mostly fine. We had six that came in at 15% or higher ownership. Only Jeff Wilson did not pay off his salary of those six. Uh, wide receiver was a mixed bag. We had Michael Gallup and Tyreek Hill who were, they were okay. They you know didn't really do anything amazing, but they paid off their salary. Uh, Jalen Waddell and Devonta Adams were uh, very, uh, were, were great. T. Higgins, CeeDee Lamb, and Rashad Bateman were not at tight end. Uh, Cole Komet and Dan Arnold, yikes. Uh, Travis Kelsey and our boy, John Bates, they were okay. They were, they were fine. They you know they, they gave us what they needed to. Uh, let's start with the leader in the clubhouse. That is Sia. Once again, puts up 132.96. And for those watching us on YouTube, that's youtube.com slash fantasy football today. We're going to pull up the lineup here so that you can follow along as well. Uh, and you were one of those people who went with Cam Newton. You get him up top here. You wound up with no Jeff Wilson or Mark Ingram in the lineup. Instead, you go with a 1% Ezekiel Elliott with James Conner at your flex. Uh, it worked out, but I just wanted to ask, why did you go with Zeke instead of the chalk running backs and maybe Devonta Adams at flex, something like that?
2: Oh, pretty simple in terms of Zeke. I-, I just thought he'd be way better than those other options. Uh, I truly did. And so the fact that he was contrarian in cash didn't really bother me because I'm okay accepting the chalk if I actually liked the play, but I really liked Zeke. So whether he was contrary or not was really irrelevant to me in this particular case. I mean, obviously he didn't get there at all, but I expected him. I thought Dallas's game plan was really to utilize both Zeke and the passing game. And I thought Zeke was going to be able to have a good game. Didn't turn out that way, but you know, this isn't that impressive of a lineup. I, I've got Waddle, of course. I've got Cam Newton. My failures, like T. Higgins, for example, and to some extent, like Tyree Kill and A.J. Dillon, well, everybody rostered them, right? So it wasn't really a true failure. It didn't really hurt me that much. Uh, James Conner was a, a Pretty chalky play, I thought. Uh, I thought he was going to be. I was really surprised he was only 14.7% owned. So that was pretty decent. But again, and of course, I threw in John Bates there just to save the cash. And that didn't turn out to be a disaster. It certainly wasn't what I wanted it to be. But again, another illustration of how in a cash line, you don't have to be great. You just have to be kind of average-ish to good, and you're going to cash, especially this week.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned John Bates. The results were not great. The process, though, 99% of the snaps, 23 routes on 28 dropbacks. The the usage was definitely there for, one, John Bates. Uh, Mike, we'll throw this one your way. Uh, T. Higgins, I had him as my chalk play last week. And see, you had him here in cash. I I, I thought it made sense. Like, the floor was, was pretty safe. Turns out that that floor is lower than even I thought. So, Mike, uh, do you think we should maybe back off of T. Higgins a little bit, maybe in cash games?
1: Uh, I don't really think so. As long as the price point stays there or potentially drops after this performance. Um, look, Chase was terrible all game, too. He ended up in the end zone that salvaged his score a little bit, but... He, he was terrible, too. Uh, it's just one of those games where the team puts up 32 points and a few of the players just don't get there. Uh, it's not something that's going to happen very often and not something I think you should be putting much weight in at all.
2: And spoiler alert, he's the exact same price coming up (laughs) on this slate at 5,400 at home against Pittsburgh, which sounds like uh, maybe that's a bad thing. It's Pittsburgh. But we just saw two weeks ago, Justin Fields completely ripped that team apart. Really, the question on Higgins and Jamar Chase is how much are they going to throw? How much are they going to lean on the pass versus the, the Joe Mixon part of it? And I think this coming week, they might actually lean on the pass a little bit more than Mixon.
0: And we just saw on Sunday Night Football, the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert throw for 382 yards and three touchdowns against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense. So uh, I think that will be another feather in the cap for one uh, T. Higgins, if you want to go back to him. I know uh, it's it's hard when people get burned, but you, gotta, you have to have short-term memory. It's kind of like a, I guess like, I don't know, cliche stuff like a quarterback. You have to have short-term memory. You know, you throw an interception, you got to get back out there. Same thing with like, Relief pitchers, you blow a save or something, you got to just get back out there and do it. Uh, let's take a look at Mike's cash lineup here, 99.3. And unfortunately, uh, I suffered the same fate as you as I had Patrick Mahomes in my lineup. And you went with the double stack. You have Tyreek Hill and Byron Pringle uh, with Dalton Schultz on the bring back. You had the three chalk running backs with A.J. Dillon, Mark Ingram, and Jeff Wilson. And then you had Jamar Chase at 15.9% ownership. And I actually thought that that was a pretty... Unique play, but the ownership does not lie, Uh, you know, near 16% there. So how did you get to Jamar Chase instead of maybe going up to Devontae Adams and uh, spending down at tight end?
1: Yeah, so the tight end was the issue. Schultz got upgraded quite a bit for me heading into this game. Um, That's where a lot of that came from. Uh, Full disclosure on this one, I, you know, I played Cam Newton in cash as well. I just, I don't want to show that lineup necessarily because I recommended Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill as my stack. So I put two cash lineups, two of my five lineups I played in cash. Um, yeah, this one this one hurt. Uh, you speak about process. I think we nailed the process on Byron Pringle. That, that was one I'm probably the most proud of despite the result. Uh, we saw a massive demotion for Michael Hardman in this game. So Patrick Mahomes had 45 dropbacks in this game. The wide receiver routes, Tyreek Hill ran 41 Byron Pringle was second on the team with 30. Michael Hardman ran eight routes. Uh, you know who yeah. ran more than double the amount of routes that Michael Hardman did? Josh Gordon ran 17 routes Ooh. in this game. Michael Hardman was legitimately wide receiver five for the Kansas City Chiefs. We saw Pringle go to wide receiver two. We got him at single-digit ownership at 3400 Had the big play, just did not get there. Uh, but certainly one of my most proud moments of the season, frankly, which is – might seem weird to some viewers, but it's really important to separate process from result. As you see, especially you've seen the way that I play. When you win, we win big, and one to two weeks pays for the entire season. When you don't, you don't, and that's fine. But this one I was particularly proud of and happy to get him at 6% ownership. Very clearly wide receiver two in the offense. Um, and, you know, as far as Mahomes, putting up nine, like I said, they just kind of ran bad at that point where he got the two rushing touchdowns, one from a tight end rushing Um, just not stuff that typically is going to happen to him. And as far as Jamar Chase, though, it's you know wasn't a conscious decision at all, just total optimizer play um, by having Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, and those running backs in there. It uh, you know my model was high enough on Dalton Schultz that that's why we didn't have a punt tight end with Devontae Adams.
0: And I, you know I'll point out uh, regarding the Jamar Chase play. Probably should have given the Raiders more respect than than we did last week because they've actually been really good in the secondary all year. They're allowing the fourth fewest fantasy points to wide receivers on the season. So Jamar Chase is a freak. Still managed to score a touchdown. Uh, I think you know more often than not it probably won't matter who he's going up against. But the Raiders' defense has been really good for for what it's worth, uh, at least in the secondary there. So yeah, I was you know I was gonna ask you about the Chiefs, but I I kind of agree with Mike. Like we had like it's a process over results kind of play here where Byron Pringle did exactly what we expected. Like he played fifty nine percent of the snaps, uh, which was. Know, more than McCole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson and Josh Gordon, so he's on the field, which is you know half the battle. When when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, I was going to ask you, should we just stay away from Chiefs' weapons outside of uh, Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey at this point?
2: I don't think so. I, I, I it, it depends game to game, obviously. But no, I, I'm happy to play. Listen, the Kansas City Chiefs defense has definitely stepped it up. And that's, you know, when Frank Clark and Chris Jones are healthy, that's just going to be a good defense. That's just yep. the reality of the situation. When they're not healthy, especially Chris Jones, it's not a good defense. It's really that simple. And that might just push the issue a little bit more for the offense and Mahomes to throw it downfield. But honestly, it wasn't like for lack of trying. It just it wasn't It just was one of those things. It wasn't a good game. Unfortunately, the Chiefs are not as automatic as they were last year. But I think, honestly, two out of three games, you're going to see the Chiefs really pushing the envelope and scoring, you know, 27, 30, 35 points. I'm not really worried about them, to be honest.
0: All right, let's move on to my cash line up here. And I sneak in just above the cash line, 117.5. Very similar lineup to Mike, actually. I went with Mahomes to Tyreek Hill. I had uh, Michael Gallup on the bring back. He was extremely chalky, 69% owned. In this contest. Uh, I thought he was an okay play even before Amari Cooper was ruled out but once we had that, uh, I knew that I was going to play Michael Gallup at his $4,200 price tag. I went with all three chalk running backs in A.J. Dillon, Mark Ingram, and Jeff Wilson. Uh, and once Lamar Jackson was ruled out, uh, I knew that I would be off of Rashad Bateman. Originally looked like he was going to be a good value play and then I won- wanted both Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams in my lineup. I made that happen by using John Bates at tight end. I used D.Y. Washington football team DST, which I nearly got burned not playing the Browns because like halfway through that game, I think they had 14 points or something like that. And if you get that from a defense and you don't have them, it's pretty bad. It's, it's pretty scary. So I was worried about that. Uh, luckily, DeAndre Swift broke off that long touchdown run. So uh, declined the, uh, the, the Browns points there a little bit. I've said this multiple times this season, going with cheaper quarterback options in good spots and cash I think is is probably the way to go just because it allows you to pay up at running back and wide receiver. And we had two very obvious ones last week, like Cam and Tua. Uh, so I think I should have been more aggressive there. Mike, what do you think about that, uh, specifically when it comes to cash, just like paying down for quarterbacks when they're in obvious good spots?
1: Yeah, no, I think you definitely have to, um, which is why this week why I played two cash lineups for sure. I don't play two every week. In some weeks, it's like 80-20 just to have a little bit of different exposures. But this week I really wanted a piece of Cam. Um, He was one of my favorites. I talked about it pretty much all week, Um, you know, especially when it's a proven guy. And I say proven guy in that we had a pretty significant sample size of Cam Newton being an $8,000 quarterback when he was a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yes, I know that it's not the same year. Yes, I know the team's different, but when you've got weapons like McCaffrey um, playing at home, like that's a situation where Cam Newton was just flat out too cheap and should not be treated the same as a backup quarterback coming in. That's $5,000.
0: Yeah, and uh, spoiler alert, which we will talk about a little bit later on, Cam Newton is $5,600 on the main slate in Week 12 going up against the Miami Dolphins. So I'm not sure, like, am I missing something? Because that seems way too cheap. The guy just had a great game. Two passing touchdowns, 46 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown. He was basically the entire Panthers offense along with Christian McCaffrey. So, uh, yeah, I think that Cam will once again be pretty popular here in Week 12, and uh, rightfully so. Let's move on to our GPP lineups, and this time we will start with Mike. And uh, Just GPP in general this past week, you needed Jonathan Taylor and or the Packers-Vikings game. Taylor puts up 56 points at sub-5% ownership. We had Justin Jefferson, a 40-burger, Devontae Adams, 33.5, both Aaron Rodgers and uh, Kirk Cousins, had 28-plus points over on DraftKings. Don't sleep on Joe Mixon either, by the way. Uh, He now has 25-plus DK points in four of his last five games. So really getting it done, scoring a ton of touchdowns. There is Joe Mixon. Um, All right, Mike, so you had 144.16 in this lineup, and I'm pretty sure this is what you were just referring to, right? Like, this is very similar to your cash lineup, but you get Cam Newton in there, uh, and you get both Devontae Adams and Michael Gallup uh, as well. So... Yeah, I don't really know if there's much else to say other than that, um, but yeah, Cam, Cam Newton was was the obvious play.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, that's exactly what it was, basically. Little uh, 3v3, you had Newton and Gallup and Adams versus uh, Patrick Mahomes, his secondary stack, which would have been Byron Pringle, and then Jamar Chase. And you saw the difference in these two lineups was what, like 40 points? You know if you run those like in an optimizer for example or just look at any sort of projection set they're going to project within one to two points of each other on any given week and it just shows you the the difference in outcome that you can have on any given week but uh, you know just like i play every single week my lineup core is very 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 narrow and i typically win a lot of money when it hits really well and when it doesn't i don't and as long as i went about 40 35 40 percent of the time it's going to be a profitable strategy in Daily Fantasy.
0: Uh, see ya. We'll go to your GBP lineup, 153.46 with three snowflakes in the lineup. How did you do that? Jonathan Taylor. Uh, it also helps having Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey stack in there. And you got Tyreek Hill, Michael Gallup mini stack, and you rounded it out with T. Higgins, John Bates, uh, Jeff Wilson, and the Vikings DST. Walk us through this lineup.
2: So the Vikings DST. You know what's really funny? I knew I had this lineup, and you guys know I don't check my lineups in the middle of the tournament. I just, I just don't. But I have to prior to four o'clock because, uh, you know, of things like late swap and whatnot. So. I checked this one and I was shocked that I had Vikings D because in every other lineup, I had either the Browns or the Bears. The Bears was kind of an easy pivot considering what had happened to Lamar Jackson. And, I, and I'm trying to remember, I, for some reason, I don't have the cap space on this one, but I don't think I had any cap space. I think that's why I had the Vikings D. I don't think I had 200 to pay up for the Bears, which is pretty unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, this one, listen, just like Mike, I liked Cam Newton. Uh, I paired him with Christian McCaffrey, which I really didn't have to do. But I thought, I mean, listen, when, you, when you're a new quarterback to a team and I, you know he's not He's kind of new, right? Your best friend is obviously going to be the pass-catching running back. He gets a ton of targets. He led the team in targets this week, and he had 10 targets and 10 catches the week prior. So that one just kind of made sense to me. I think it could have done a little bit better. Jonathan Taylor speaks for itself. Tyreek Hill speaks for itself. And then, I, you know, I kind of went a little chalky and cheap with Michael Gallup and T. Higgins. No issue there. Jeff Wilson let me down. And John Bates really was there as as a guy for me to pay up for the Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Tyree Kill, you know, sort of stack. So that's sort of what, what he was. A, that's what Bates didn't get there. But he allowed me to pay up for some of these other guys who did get there, both in my cash and my GPP lineup. So that's sort of the explanation there. But, yeah, it's a it's a good lineup. It didn't really do great. But, you know, it's it, one of my better ones this week for sure.
0: I do think much like last week you know when we have this much chalk uh chalk running backs available between Dylan and Jeff Wilson and Mark Ingram uh, I think it's Probably suboptimal to play all three unless you're getting you know different somewhere whether it's your stack or your bring back something like that. Uh, especially you know look if it's single entry three max you don't have to get too different. Uh, but I-, I do think that you know if you're playing it may be in some larger field stuff you know going with the two running backs up top spending up there uh, is definitely uh, a pretty obvious way to get different and it's it's easy to say in hindsight when Jonathan Taylor has the monster game that he that he does. But uh, yeah, I think that's pretty obvious there. You don't hear us talk often about like QB running back stack. And look, we've already talked about Cam Newton quite a bit. But Mike, I think that this is viable. As long as Cam Newton is sub-6K and he is at his price, if you wanted to play both him and CMC in the same lineup, you can because McCaffrey just led the team in targets, receptions, and receiving. uh, And you know, given that Cam is as cheap as he is, it it allows you to pay up for for Christian McCaffrey. So uh, we don't talk about it a lot. It's unique, but I, I think it's viable right now.
1: Oh yeah, it's definitely viable. It's something that I do, you know, early in the season with Kansas City quite a bit, and it's generally a great way. There's there's a couple situations where you want to do it. One, it's where you, when you have an obvious pass catching running back that that's very clear, very straightforward. But the other situation when you want to do it is when you know that the field is going to be ultra heavy on one to two of that pass catcher's weapon and the team is projected for, say, a team total of 30 or more points in a game, it's a really good hedge and a way to capitalize on fantasy points in that game. Uh, because in you know outside of defensive touchdowns or crazy things like tight ends running touchdowns in, <laughs> essentially guaranteed to have exposure to every offensive touchdown. Uh, In that game by doing that. So it's definitely an interesting way to bring that ownership down as well. So like you saw Christian McCaffrey in that lineup. What was he like 24% owned or something? A good way to bring his collective ownership down is to play Cam Newton at 7%. You get drastically different by doing that. So yeah, totally something I do very frequently and definitely recommend doing.
0: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, McCaffrey was actually 18.5% ownership, and you get Cam Newton at 7%, so, uh, yeah, I think that that is a a nice catch there by you. GBP lineup for me, and uh, this one was not great. Um, It only put up 97.24, it was actually quite bad, but I I like the construction, once again. I mean, I'm going to stick with it, I feel like I've said this, I don't know, a month in a row now, uh, where... You know, GPB lineups don't come through, but overall, I do like the construction quite a bit. So I had Dak to Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb uh, bring it back with Byron Pringle on the other side, uh, saving salary for uh, to go to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and then I also used the the Panthers' defense. I had two of the three chalk running backs with A.J. Dillon and Mark Ingram again. I, I didn't think it was optimal to, to play uh, all three of them uh, in GPPs, but... Uh, yeah, I did that, and then I had Dallas Goddard at three percent ownership, and he goes five for sixty-two, and and down at the one, even though he like rolled over his defender, it looked like he pro- he actually did score a touchdown. So, you know, that could have been a, a much bigger game for Dallas Goddard at just three percent ownership. See, what do you think about this uh, construction for GPP?
2: You know what I can't stand? I feel like I feel like we should do on this show, particularly on Tuesdays, like a bad beat segment. <laughs> I can't stand when a guy like Goddard looks like he might have gotten a touchdown. And the coach doesn't want to review it. Instead, they, if you recall, they just kind of like quick snapped it because they were on the one-yard line. And I think yeah. Jalen Hurts must have yeah. run that in. And, of course, you know, Jalen's going to get the credit for that either way because it should have been a passing touchdown for him. But I think Goddard got in there. So, anyway, I think Goddard was, was a great play. I, I, listen, this lineup is great. There's nothing wrong with this lineup. Dylan should have had a, a bigger game or at least, uh, you know, everyone projected him to. And then the DAC double stack I absolutely love. I, there's just no reason – well, obviously – you know, Ceedee Lamb got injured. That hurts, but they right. weren't really going well anyway. But you can pretty much guarantee Ceedee Lamb would have scored well, well above that if he wasn't out by uh, before halftime. This is a good lineup. You got the Pringle bring bring back, which you know, like Mike said, he, his routes run was second in the game. That's really, really impressive. He should have gotten there. Just one of those things. It's a bad week, and Dallas played really bad. I I don't know that we really know where Dallas is right now, particularly with their injuries. They have some offensive line injuries. Tyron Smith, it's ending up being a much bigger deal than maybe we thought. Amari Cooper, that's being a much bigger deal than we thought. Is CeeDee going to going to even be back Thursday? We'll talk about that on the Thanksgiving show. But these like, little injuries, I, I think as we get towards the end of the season, we really need to pay a little bit more attention to some of these interior injuries that are a little less obvious in terms of being influential to our fantasy football studs.
0: Yeah, no, I think that that is definitely a good point. So we'll see what, what's going on with the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. We know Amari Cooper is not going to play on Thanksgiving because uh, he won on the COVID list last Friday. So he's got to be a minimum on there for, for 10 days. So he's not going to play on Thanksgiving. We'll see what happens with CeeDee Lamb. Even Ezekiel Elliott's banged up dealing with this knee injury as well. Uh, speaking of Thanksgiving, we're going to have a FFT DFS contest for both the Thanksgiving slate and for the main slate this week. So 150 entries for each of those, $5 per entry. The top 15 gets paid out. We'll have the uh, Thanksgiving link in the podcast, YouTube and uh, podcast description and the YouTube description for both this podcast and uh, the Thanksgiving breakdown podcast. So if you want to join, feel free. We'll tweet it out a few times and then we'll also tweet the, the main slate one out later on in the week. Want to give a shout out to our FFT DFS contest from week 11, the winner. Top shelf one. Takes it down 163.72, wins 135 bucks. Goes with uh, Tua Tonga vailoa a double stack. Now, you hear that, you might think, all right, well, Jalen Waddell and Mike Isecki, right? No, Jalen Waddell and Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson at uh, just $3,100, uh, 4% ownership. He didn't do much. He had 4.5 points, but I did think that was an interesting play, uh, a way to save salary, obviously. Jonathan Taylor at 3% ownership. That's obviously the moneymaker here, has that monster game. Also had AJ Dillon, Stephon Diggs, and Debo Samuel at wide receiver. A 32% own John Bates. See, the people are listening. 32% own John Bates. That is, that is just hilarious. Uh, so that was like one thing That's that amazing. stood out to me very clearly in this lineup. And then the Browns defense. Uh, Mike, will go we'll throw it to you. What do you think about this lineup?
1: I mean, I think it's good. Obviously, getting Jonathan Taylor in there, and it wasn't just jamming Jonathan Taylor. You had Stephon Diggs. Now, I will say you ran very well with Diggs. Uh, four catches, 23 yards, and two touchdowns is not something that's likely to happen often. However, makes a ton of sense, especially if you're playing Jonathan Taylor in this lineup. Love the double stack. So in this double stack, we actually talked about both of these players as well. Yeah. Jalen Waddell and Albert Wilson, 3,100. Mm-hmm. Um Browns makes a ton of sense. Um, look, I, I think it's a great lineup. And Tua, like they, they honestly could have put up more points in this against the Jets. He could have been a lot closer to the 300-yard bonus. You could have been looking at 25 to 30 from Tua very easily in the spot.
2: Let, let me just say, in, in you know me, I'm, I'm always trying to like give credit to our show when maybe it's not deserved because this guy absolutely crushed us, right? With that said, is there another show out there A fantasy football show that literally recommended John Bates, Albert Wilson and Jonathan Taylor together. I don't think so. And and we know how big Mike was on, on Debo Samuel, like he always is, but specifically last week as well. And we talked about his rushing equity as well. Like th- this is just, this makes me so happy because, and by the way, John Bates didn't get there. So it's not like that's a victory lap for me personally, but like, again, Albert Wilson and John Bates, it allows you to pay up for Jonathan Taylor. It allows you to pay up for Debo and Stephon Diggs. These are the types of sacrifices you're sometimes making for these just like bottom feeder, you know, tight ends and, and receivers. Yes, they can sometimes get there, but maybe more importantly, they allow you to get these guys that you know have tremendous ceilings.
0: Yeah, look, Albert Wilson and John Bates combined for 9.8 points here. So, like... like that didn't really matter. It was just the fact that you know one of them was twenty five hundred, the other one was thirty one. So it allows you to pay up exactly like you just said. You know you get to at you know his salary at fifty five hundred. So it allows you to to get up and and make your lineup a little bit different. Obviously getting uh, Jonathan Taylor in there and even like Diggs and Debo at, at thirteen and twelve percent ownership respectively. Uh, those were those were sharp plays as well. I do want to give a shout out. To the Don, my dad, big week for the Don. He gave us Brandon Ayuk last week as his sneaky pick. Uh, Ayuk goes for twenty one point five, just five k in terms of the salary. He was less than two percent ownership in the uh, three dollar triple option. That's a a three max entry tournament. Uh, so great call by the Don. He also finished first place in a a quarter arcade game. First place out a fourteen k, so he turned a quarter into one hundred fifty bucks. So shout out to the Don. Uh, the man is hot. Really, really big week for him in week 11. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll take a look at week 12 pricing here on Fantasy Football Today DFS.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: All right, so let's jump into week 12. We have two teams on a buy. That is the Chiefs and the Cardinals go away, Chiefs. Uh, and then we do have, uh, obviously, it's a unique slate because we have the three games on Thanksgiving, so it's a 10-game main slate. Uh, one game currently over a 50-point total. That is the Bucks at the Colts, checking in at 51.5, according to Caesar Sportsbook. And then we have three more over 47 points. All of them are in the afternoon slate. The Chargers at the Broncos, the Rams at Packers, and the Vikings at 49ers. We do not have a spread higher than six and a half points on the slate. Uh, The Patriots are laying six and a half, hosting the Tennessee Titans in week 12. Let's start off with the quarterback position, and we have zero quarterbacks over 8K. We have three over 7K over on DraftKings. Tom Brady is 7,600. Jalen Hurts is 73. We have Matthew Stafford at 7,100. And on the other side of Stafford in that game, we have Aaron Rodgers who checks in just below 7K, At 6900 Mike, we'll start with you. Uh, What do you think of the quarterback position? Are you looking to pay up here? Or is it all about Cam Newton once again?
1: Uh, It's all about not paying up for me, but it's definitely not all about Cam Newton. So I'm going to have some Tyrod Taylor this week. I like the Mm -hmm. matchup against the Jets. I like that they're playing at home here. Uh, The price point is attractive, and there's not a ton of high-ceiling quarterbacks on the slate. So I think it's a perfect time to go there when we know a lot of people are going to play Cam Newton. Uh, But also, I think you could look at Matt Ryan. Uh, I think it's an interesting spot for the Falcons against the Jaguars. That should be actually a very competitive game that could become a little high-scoring. So for me, it's going to be paying down, and those are the three that I'm looking at right now. Um, Of course, you've got that shootout or projected shootout with Aaron Rodgers, Matt Stafford, if you want to go that direction. But for me, it's going to be the mid-range quarterback and – get some weapons in that high-scoring game.
0: I think there are some like sneaky mid-tier. I'll, I'll mention Kirk Cousins is 6,300 at San Fran. Uh, Joe Burrow, 6,200 versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. We mentioned that the Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert were, were able to throw all over the Steelers last week. Carson Wentz, he's going up against Tampa Bay. He's 5,800. Obviously, they have a very good run defense. It's usually better when Vita Vea is there on the defensive line, but it kind of just feels like they are going to dare Carson Wentz to beat them, right? Like, just throw the Mm -hmm. house at Jonathan Taylor and see if Carson Wentz can actually do it. So, uh, Sia, what do you think about the quarterback position here? What do you think about some of those cheap options? We have Cam, we have Tyrod. Mike mentioned Matt Ryan. I think Carson Wentz is interesting as well.
2: Yeah, I think Carson Wentz is really interesting. That that Tampa Bay D didn't get exposed thanks to Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones, but I certainly think it could by Frank Reich and Carson Wentz. So I think at five thousand eight hundred, you're looking at really good value and and very interesting stack possibilities. Again, you can stack Jonathan Taylor with Carson Wentz. He does catch passes now, like that's a thing. You could potentially double stack him with Pittman or just stack him obviously with just Pittman. That We'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about the game-by-game breakdown, but I think there's very, oh, by the way, T.Y. Hilton is only 4K. So if you want to go there, can he get behind the Tampa Bay Bucks defense? Yeah, probably. So there's a lot of different ways you can stack and or double stack this game. Uh, I really like Carson Wentz. I really agree with Tyrod and Cam. I like Tyrod as a pivot off cam i think tyrod will be i don't think it'll be popular i wonder what his price dif- uh ownership difference will be with cam um he'll definitely be lower uh, as far as the high end i think i like Ma- um, matthew stafford quite a bit i think that's an interesting game to stack uh rams coming off a buy obviously stafford with cooper cup you bring him back with Devontae adams you're gonna have to find value in other spots but i think that's an interesting one
0: you know the total in that game is pretty interesting right now 47 and a half for the rams and Packers. Uh, I know that both teams have played pretty solid defense so far this season, but uh, it was actually a little bit surprising for me. Um, Could potentially be a shootout there between Rodgers and Matt Stafford. I'll just mention Tom Brady again. He's 7,600. The Colts defense obviously could be had through the air. Uh, That game obviously has shootout potential too, so if you wanted to do something like Brady with Godwin and Rob Gronkowski, who mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm going to be on. A, I do like Gronk as of now. Bring it back with like a Pittman or Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I think that that is um, an interesting stack possibility here in Week 12. Let's move on to the running back position. We have two running backs at 9K or higher. We're not used to saying that number. 9K or higher. That's Jonathan Taylor 9100 going up against Tampa Bay. We have CMC at 9K at the Miami Dolphins. We have three running backs in the 8K range. That's Austin Eckler at 8,400, Najee Harris at 82, and then Dalvin Cook at 8,100. Uh, looks like A.J. Dillon is likely to be the starter. Again, we'll see what happens with Aaron Jones, but he's only 5,900. Uh, I have a feeling he will be quite chalky once again, if that is the case. Mike, what do you think about the running back position?
1: Yeah, it's going to be Dillon as long as he's the uh, the starter there, which I is what I'm expecting, and frankly, I'd probably play him either way. Uh, but I'll also be paying up for Christian McCaffrey, and then we still have to monitor what's going on with the 49ers because it could be another spot for Jeff Wilson, um, depending on what their injury report looks like. Jeff Wilson just barely missed a touchdown in that last game. We say it all the time, but you add you know, six points or I guess seven if he catches the pass, right? 13, 14 points looks a lot better than 6, 7, 8 in in a box score. So he's someone that's definitely going to be in consideration. But as of right now, I think the the build's going to be down at quarterback, probably get up to McCaffrey still at that price point, and hope that you can still play A.J. Dillon, Jeff Wilson. There's going to be at least two value running backs again on this slate. Uh, I don't think there will be a clear... Three of them that are like clear cut like last week, but I think you could get two of them with Christian McCaffrey, still play three running backs if you want to. I think that's going to be a very, very popular build this week because there's so many quarterbacks that are cheap.
0: I know Jimmy Garoppolo is playing well right now, so kudos to him, but that was. Bad. That was a bad miss to to yes. uh, Jeff Wilson. So I know everyone in the DFS community, everyone in the fantasy industry is watching that game and Jeff Wilson as wide open as you could possibly be, and and somehow Jimmy Garoppolo just misses him there in the end zone.
2: I have an idea. So instead of like the bad beat thing, like ripping off like SVP, but in a fantasy way, like we should do an all are you serious team? Like Goddard's our <laughs> tight end. Wilson's one of our running backs. And we just, we just fill out a lineup of man, they really should have gotten there. And they didn't because of something random, whether it's a ref error or incompetence by the quarterback or something like that. All
0: yeah. right. Well, I'm going to write that down. What is that? The, are you serious team? We'll, we'll yes. make that happen in, in future weeks. Uh, but I think that's a pretty good idea. Um, Let's continue with the running back position. Mentioned A.J. Dillon. Saquon Barkley, he's 6,300. Strong matchup against the Eagles. He played 62% of the snaps on Monday night. He handled 12 of 16 running back touches. Obviously, the Giants offense is a dumpster fire. That is why they fired... Jason Garrett, as their offensive coordinator. He is out. Friday Kitchens is in, calling plays for the yeah. New York Giants. Um, I don't know. I honestly don't know if that helps them or not. Uh, it's not an upgrade. Yeah, seriously. It's like, it's,
2: it's, a, it's a lateral move.
0: You're going from the worst to <laughs> still really bad, but, but maybe not the worst. Um, a few other names I'll mention. Daryl Henderson. This really surprised me as well. Like There's some running backs lower that caught my eye. Daryl Henderson's 5,800. At the Green Bay Packers, I still really like that. Miles Sanders, no Jordan Howard. uh, He's 5,100 going up against the Giants. Michael Carter has already been ruled out for the Jets. So this is like, hold your nose and maybe click on one of these names. I don't know which one. But Ty Johnson is 4,300. Tevin Coleman is 4K. Sia, what do you think about the running back position?
2: First of all, I think it's Ty Johnson. I think that's the one we're going to go with. He's he's just the more talented guy right now at this juncture of their careers, and he's really reliable in in a pass catching way relative to Tevin Coleman, in my opinion. So I love that price point at 4,300. I think he's going to end up being pretty chalky, in spite of the fact that he's a New York Jet. Um, you mentioned a lot of the guys that I like. So did Mike Uh, Christian McCaffrey. I'm definitely going to be playing again this week. Uh, A.J. Dillon, yeah. Aaron Jones is not going to be back. So A.J. Dillon, Uh, James Robinson is interesting. I think. I think most people are just off anything Jacksonville. I think, especially with the injuries that they have, James Robinson's going to take on a bigger role. He appears to be healthy and he's a reasonable price and he's playing a a pretty pedestrian team in Atlanta. Uh, I should say in Jacksonville, but I mean I'm saying they're playing against Atlanta, who does not stop the run. So I think Robinson's interesting. I love Daryl Henderson. He's going to be probably the chalkiest running back on the slate for good reason. And I agree with I agree with Barkley and Miles Sanders. I don't think a lot of people are going to be playing either of them. I think either of them could have a great game. I question their floors. I think their floors are kind of low, but I think their ceilings are relatively high. I don't know how much I'm going to invest in those two guys, but I think they're both interesting.
0: I think the early—this is me talking things out um, out loud—but it's Tuesday. I think the early cash build is looking like you spend down at quarterback. You get two of AJ Dillon, Daryl Henderson, and then you probably get Christian McCaffrey in at the flex or whatever, whatever running back you want to throw in at the flex. But that's just like my early lean here uh, in cash at this point in the week. Wide receiver, the highest priced player on the slate is Cooper Cup. So uh, where does he fit into everything? He is ninety six hundred dollars. That is a massive, massive price tag, and rightfully so. Uh, Cooper Cup has been amazing. He's he's been. Game script proof GSP, what you like to call it? See, a, uh, Cooper Cup is that player. We have two more over 8K. That's Devonte Adams at 8600. Justin Jefferson at three uh, 8300. We have Devo Samuel checks in just below 8K at 7900. Mike, what do you think of the highest price wide receivers here? What do we do with Cooper Cup? Cooper
1: Cup's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, on the sports line early edge shows, I talked a lot about how the Dallas Cowboys struggle outdoors, not playing in domes away from home. I'm very curious to see if the Rams and if that'll be an issue for them because they don't face these situations often. This is one of the worst places to go play if you're not used to it. Being on the road at Green Bay, now the elevated price tag, um, you know, the question's going to come down to would you rather invest in Christian McCaffrey or Cooper Cup? Because that's. That's really where you're going to be. I don't think you're going to play both of them. You might, but I don't think you're going to pay $1,000 more for Cooper Cup than, say, Devontae Adams in that same game, most likely. Um, So I'm probably going to end up being off Cooper Cup if he's garnering any ownership at all, and I suspect that he will just because there are so many cheap quarterbacks on the slate. Uh, But I am a little bit worried not having Robert Woods out there does impact Cooper Cup. Uh, It just draws a little more attention. But, you know, the, the issue is is I think he can get there through volume. Like I, I think he's still going to see 10 targets. Like there, There's very little doubt about that. Uh, I just question what the upside truly looks like against a pretty good Green Bay defense in what is easily the most difficult situation for him. So I would prefer Adams at the top. Um, I love Jamar Chase again. I think this is a beautiful spot for Jamar Chase as a pivot from both of these guys.
0: I will point out, you mentioned going to Green Bay this time of year, the early uh, forecast for that game, 35 degree weather, 13 mile per hour winds. So keep that in mind. It's not awful or anything, but obviously it's it's cold. And you compare that to uh, Christian McCaffrey, who's going to play in Miami, 77 degrees, uh, five mile per hour winds. So uh, it's, Obvious upgrade there for for Christian McCaffrey. A few high floor plays I like so far. Keenan Allen, 7,400 at the Broncos. Chris Godwin is 7K. He's cheaper than Mike Evans, and he is at the Indianapolis Colts. We haven't talked much about Deontay Johnson this year. He's 6,600. He's basically cheaper Keenan Allen. Like, he has such a safe floor. 11.7 DK points in every game this season. He's had 20 plus three times. So, target monster, uh, can make the big play at times. I know he, he his app his upside is kind of capped because Big Ben's his quarterback. But yeah, I like I like Deontay Johnson. See, what do you think about that mid tier? Uh, any value plays that stand out to you as well?
2: Yeah, I think first of all, I'm surprised that Mike just didn't even though you were talking about the elite, that top range, I'm just surprised he didn't fit in Debo somehow in that, <laughs> in that part, but 7,900, you know, against at home against Minnesota, I, I think, uh, and I, I know Mike will agree, or I think he'll agree. That's pretty tremendous value in a, a nice discount off of guys like Cooper Cup and even Devonte Adams. Uh, so I, I do agree, by the way, I like Devonte Adams more than I like Cup now that I look at it and considering the conditions in terms of the 35 degree weather and some wind. So yeah, I like Debo, um, I like Jamar Chase. I think that makes a ton of sense. Uh, as we go down, I, I like some value plays. Um, Kadarius Tony, Brandon Ayuk in the low 5K range. Again, if you're looking at guys who are probably going to get targets, especially Kadarius Toney, um, I, I think it's a good price there. I mentioned T.Y. Hilton at a flat 4K. And if you really want to get crazy, and I know it's Jacksonville, but You know, everybody's getting injured. And Laviska Chenault, like, is there going to be a time where he's actually going to get volume? If there was, it would probably be here. Um, I'll just point out, Elijah Moore at Houston is only 5,600, and he certainly has the ability to go off, especially if Joe Flacco or somebody not named Zach Wilson is the quarterback.
0: Brandon Ayuk has played 88% of the snaps or more in four straight games, and he is starting to come through now, so I really like the price tag there as well. 5,300. I know you mentioned his name earlier. In the, in the show, see ya, but uh, Michael Pittman is 5,600, so I mm-hmm. feel like we're getting a pretty good discount on him uh, as well. Brandon Cooks, just gotta mention him, because like obviously the Jets can give up a ton of big plays, and he is uh, 5,800 in that matchup. The tight end position, we have two over 6K, George Kittle at 6,400, Kyle Pitts at 6,100. I'm eyeing the mid-tier this week. It's early, we'll see if some value opens up, but Dallas Goddard at 4,800. Rob Gronkowski at forty-four hundred. We just saw Gronk. Believe he had eight targets in that game on Monday Night Football. He looked pretty good. Uh, he looked like you know maybe that time off finally uh, looking a little bit more healthy. And uh, bargain basement. Throw his name out there, Ryan Griffin with the New York Jets. He is twenty-six hundred. I don't have any fun stories. I don't know if he wears a headband or anything like that. What he did in college, but uh, he is very cheap he's on the field, he plays a lot of snaps, he runs routes, and the uh, the Texans are awful against tight ends. So, Mike, what do you think about the tight end position this week?
1: Yeah, tight end position is very interesting here in this one. Uh, look, I'm going back to Dan Arnold. I, I think it's a great spot for Dan Arnold against the Falcons here. Uh, I just think the game's going to be ultra competitive, so I'm interested there. I honestly think the way that I'm going to go, like if if we think, I don't even like Daryl Henderson this much this week, honestly, like I think he'll be popular at running back, but if he's going to be popular, I'm totally out. I'm also mostly out on Cooper Cup. And because I'm out on those two guys, I think a really interesting leverage spot there is going to be Tyler Higby, 4,200. I think he could take a few additional targets if they have poor weather conditions, if there's a little wind, there's a little more difficulty getting the football to Cooper Cup. They might have trouble running the football. I just think it's an interesting spot to kind of get some exposure to that offense if they play well, while still pivoting away from the pieces that are probably more popular. So Tyler Higbee, Dan Arnold are at the top of my board right now. Um, Have to mention Dallas Goddard all the time at this point, it it seems. Um, But yeah, for me it's Tyler Higbee and Dan Arnold.
0: The last time we saw the Rams play, which was uh, last week on Monday Night Football, Tyler Higby played 98% of the snaps. He ran 43 routes on 47 Matthew Stafford dropbacks. So he was on the field a ton. Uh, See, I I like that call with Tyler Higby. Again, I I really like this mid-tier, this 4-5K to range as of now. So I think I might wind up living there. What do you think?
2: Yeah, first of all, I totally agree on Gronk. Uh, the, the Colts aren't good against pass catchers in general, but that includes the tight ends. Fryermuth is interesting, but but the fact that he's only 100 less than Gronk, I mean, Gronk's going to be pretty popular. Everybody got to see him on Monday Night Football. They're going to want to play him. He appears to be fully healthy. So, I mean, a, maybe a good pivot would be Fryermuth if you think that Cincinnati-Pittsburgh game will have a little bit of a back and forth. Um, I, I think from a punt standpoint, the only other guy I even want to mention right now Is Jared Cook at 3,000? They play at Denver. Cook didn't really have the greatest game against Pittsburgh. He had a couple drops, a couple opportunities that were missed. At 3,000, though, Denver's good against the tight end, but I just think that's a really, really good price, and he doesn't need much to get there for you.
0: And it's also cheap exposure to a potentially really good offense, right? Like we've seen some breakout games from the Chargers offense uh, this season. Mike, you had another take at tight end?
1: Yeah, so a tight end, um, look, Akins is inactive for the Houston Texans. Pharaoh Brown is 2,800. I would only recommend this if you're considering Tyrod Taylor and you're not planning to stack him with Brandon Cooks, who has struggled a bit in recent weeks. Uh, I think it's an interesting way to, one, get different. But two, you're getting a quarterback to one of his weapons that could theoretically be used in the red zone for about as cheap as you possibly can as a $5,300 quarterback paired with a $2,800 tight end. Uh, And if you do that, that's going to allow you to go get McCaffrey, Adams if you want to, Cup, if you want to, uh, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, whoever it may be. So that's a path that I'd like you to consider this week if you're playing Tyrod Taylor like I will be.
2: One other value tight end, just real quick, he really doesn't get the targets. His last four games, it's been 2-3, 2-2. He's caught all of his targets, though, which is interesting and which may be building confidence with Aaron Rodgers. He happened to get a touchdown last week. It's it's Josiah Deguara. So again, you're looking at you're looking at saving money, right? Just like the the John Bates thing. He's only twenty six hundred, virtually the same price as the tight end Mike just discussed in Farrell Brown and and John Bates twenty five hundred. Again, you you use these guys because they have some potential, but also because they allow you to pay up in other places.
0: Yep. Farrell Brown, by the way, played eighty four percent of the snaps last week for the Texans, and he ran 18 routes compared to uh, 12 for Brevin Jordan. So the the Texans really run everything by committee outside of like Brandon Cooks. He's just on the field all the time and sees a ton of targets. But yeah, Farrell Brown, if you're just looking at which tight end is on the field more, it, it is him uh, between him and Brevin Jordan. We're going to wrap there. Uh, reminder, we're not going to talk about the Thursday Night Football showdown slate here. We're going to have a separate podcast where we talk about all three of the Thanksgiving Day games a little bit saints and bills for the showdown slate there as well so you can catch that podcast for see ya and mike i am frank thank you all for listening and watching fantasy football today dfs we'll be back again tomorrow we will see you then